Welcome to May Contain Violence Top 10. This is my personal top 10. I'm not speaking for anyone else. This is what I enjoyed in 2021. Uh, the few times I can get out to the theater, if possible. If not, then uh, I was able to stream them. And um, as we kind of slip into some more genre films in regards to including sci-fi, fantasy, and some action genre stuff in the podcast. Uh, this top 10 is going to reflect some of my tastes in that regard. So, let's get to it. Number 10. And this is more or less in my... Uh, ratings of which ones I enjoyed the most uh, least the most but since they're all in my top 10 I did enjoy them to a greater extent than other films so number 10 was Matrix Resurrections the new Matrix film is not the trilogy though it is a sequel to it it's also a deconstruction and analysis of sequels in general it knows what it is. It's a nostalgia-driven return to a franchise that proudly wears its history on its sleeve. All of its history. Yes, even part two and three, which, having recently rewatched them, I actually have uh, more of an appreciation for them. And I can no longer put myself in the hater camp for them. I know I'm in the 1%. Um, but it's first and foremost a love story talking about resurrections um, yeah a love story if you saw it you didn't see it look again it's pretty obvious the moment Neo sees Trinity uh, Lana Wachowski made a multi-layer sci-fi love story in tribute to her recently deceased parents and I'm here for it number nine okay normally I probably won't cover superhero films unless it goes beyond the usual tropes of the genre. I'm looking at you, Marvel. However, two films caught my notice and made me excited for the genre again. James Gunn unleashed from the shackles of Disney censors between the firing and rehiring of him uh, from the House of Mouse revels in the freedom Warner Brothers has given him with a franchise I frankly did not expect to see reemerge after the first outing. Uh, it was not well loved. Yet it won an Academy Award for Best Costumes. Crazy. Um, is it a sequel? Is it a reboot? Who cares? It's a bloody symphony of cartoonish costumes, badassery, funny quips, and violent sight gags. Yet, it still has time to show a good amount of heart between decapitation, shark attacks, and assassinations. Um, this was my fave cape movie of the year. I adored this film. It just was so much fun and ridiculous. And it really, truly captured the spirit of my favorite era of the comic 
um, back in the 80s for The Suicide Squad, written by John Ostrander. It may not have had um, barely any of the characters from that era, but it certainly felt like it could have the story could have been part of that series. Um, oh, I, I love it. I really hope James Gunn does come back to the franchise or at least stays, comes back over to play in the DC universe again because that was a lot of fun. And oh, so violent. Oh, it's glorious. Number eight, the Fear Street Trilogy. Uh, we did talk about the trilogy earlier in the year. Uh, the series of fil three films released on Netflix. It brought a huge smile on my face um, as a lover of teen slasher flicks, witchcraft, and long-form storytelling. This scratched my itch of each just fine. Uh, this was a generally fun horror trip and one I'm happy to revisit. I've already seen it twice this year. It just flows so nicely. It's an engaging story. Fantastic uh, special effects. And kills. And it just... It, it was a blast. I really, really enjoyed this uh, summer event that Netflix put out. Thank you. Um, number seven. Willy's Wonderland. Starring Nicolas Cage. I mean, it's Nick Cage versus Chuck E. Cheese Rejects, and he doesn't say a word. So, of course, this was going on my top ten. Um, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what else more to say. It's, it's playing on Netflix right now, at least here in Canada, and um, it's just stupid fun, low, low budget horror movie with animatronic furries come into life and uh, uh, cause them some havoc and Nick Cage is just happens to be uh, working there at the time drinking his grape soda and playing some arcade number six Eternals okay so Rotten Tomatoes can go itself uh, I've been on the verge of leaving the MCU since the last three films before I went to see Eternals. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, I didn't even see in theaters. Black Widow, I couldn't because of lockdown, uh, but it was not worth the 25 bucks I paid to stream it. And Shang-Chi, I soon forgot about a week after I saw it. So if Eternals didn't do it for me, I probably would have skipped... Uh, December's Spider-Man. Uh, well, it did do it for me. It broke their <sighs> circle of cliches and gave me a sci-fi action film disguised as a superhero movie. And I thank director Chloe Zhao for it. Um, it was comparable to another epic sci-fi film that came out this year. Not in so fact of the the concept um, or characters necessarily, 
it just had that really grand scope feel to it and I mean this this wasn't a planet hopping epic but it was an epic that took us through time with these immortal characters and has set up the MCU their um, galaxy spanning stories have gotten a lot more interesting because of this and I hope the future it will continue to take the lead from Eternals apparently it's the lowest Rotten Tomato score of all the MCU films and it does not deserve to be I really enjoyed this film I wanted to see it twice didn't get a chance to but um, I'll be watching again when it hits the uh, the D plus channel number five a quiet place Two. <sighs> Krasinski did it again he made me fall in love with this Abbott family this now broken family as they fight off aliens uh, changing the protagonist smoothly, adding the amazing Cillian Murphy, um, or Killian Murphy, I never get that straight. Uh, I love this film, as you already know from our earlier review of this year. I really hope there is a third one. I think they've greenlit a third one. But um, I do want to see the story of the Abbots uh, come to a conclusion. Uh, I don't think they should drag it out too much, but I would like at least one more film. Really, really enjoyed it. Number four, The Harder They Fall. Yes, a Western. Why? Because I freaking love them, and it's been a while since I saw a good one made with style. Um, I had such a good time with the characters. Uh, director uh, James Samuel's Western was a whip-smart dialogue fest and never dull action sequence extravaganza, whatever you want to say it, music, uh, the adrenaline pumping. It, it was just really, really fun, and I was so happy to see it. I would have loved to see it in theater. I would have gone to the theater if we're in between lockdowns. And, uh, cause I think this would have been great on the big screen. Alas, was not to be, but, um, got a bunch of my friends to see it as well. And, uh, I hope, I, I would love to see more from this director. Number three, Nightmare Alley. Guillermo del Toro, too long absent from the big screen, if you ask me since The Shape of Water. Uh, he gives us a Hitchcockian thriller and remake of the 1947 film of the same name. Uh, it's made with his usual surreal style surrounding a circus setting with a stacked house of character talent. Um, listen to this freaking cast. Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe, Rooney Mara, uh, David Strathen, and the incomparable Ron Perlman. You probably missed it in theater amongst all the blockbusters don't do it when it hits streams it 
is worth your time. Um, don't look for a supernatural aspect. It is not that type of movie. But Guillermo puts his love of genre fingers all over it, so you are sure to be entertained uh, visually. It's fantastic. Uh, the funhouse sequence. Oh, man. Um, it's just a really smart thriller. Like I said, it is a remake, so the, the, the basis of the story was already there. But, um, man, the actors just really brings it forth. Um, fantastic job. Liked it a lot. I was the only one in the theater <laughs> when I saw it. <laughs> the poster they had at my local cinema was like a photocopied picture. Pasted in. They didn't even have a proper poster for this film. <sighs> so, uh, anyways, um, yeah, great film. Number two, Last Night in Soho. Now, here's a director whose work I have missed since 2017's Baby Driver. Edgar Wright can do no wrong in my book. He hasn't made a single project I have not liked, and he continued this streak with this imaginative horror thriller. <sighs> From the likable lead, Eloise, played by the engaged and Thomas and McKenzie, uh, to Anna Taylor-Joy's mesmerizing Sandy, to Matt Smith's morally questionable Jack, and Diana Riggs' final role, as um, she played Ms. Collins. Um, the real star is 1960s London, as Edgar gives us an immersive plunge into the world of glam, color, and music. Uh, Coupled with his amazing direction, I just can't see this guy ever making a bad film. Another amazing output by Edgar. Um, his, his combination of music and visuals is on hand again. It was so good. <laughs> uh, again, this was, I don't think this was a film that got as much recognition I guess we'll see with the award uh, season um, but uh, uh, again this was a low theater um, screening uh, sorry uh, uh, low audience in the theater screening um, and it should not have been <sighs> uh, um, bring us to number one Dune. Dune, based on a novel that I have tried and failed to get into on two occasions, um, and now in its third live-action production, it seems Denis Villeneuve finally did it justice, well, or so I'm told since I haven't read the book. I so wanted to get into this universe and I'm glad that at last I could. I have, s yes, I've, s I've seen the one from the 80s. And it, it has a certain 80s charm to it. But it's hard to take seriously. But uh, Denise's version here just hits it right 
on the head. Um, I have not been so fully immersed in the world since Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, probably. So I saw it twice in theaters, once on IMAX, which was absolutely the must-see format to see this. Um, very strong, amazing cast. Gorgeous cinematography. Um, beautiful score by Hans Zimmer. And I just listened to an extended version of his score on Spotify. And... Um, I think it was called the sketchbook of dune and pff, yeah you can tell he loved this project this this felt like a a real passion project for him um and i, I just really felt like i was transported to these worlds just uh like i did with the original star wars trilogy oh so many years ago um and now others get to see where films such as uh, Star Wars, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Alien, Blade Runner, all influenced by the writings of uh, Frank Herbert. And now we're going to see future filmmakers, I'm sure, influenced by Denis Villeneuve's uh, films. Uh, thank the old gods that we are getting a part two. And uh, this film did what I didn't think it would do. It got me reading Dune. Uh, I am started with the prequel series. Uh, the first book being House Atreides, uh, which is not written by Frank Herbert, but it's by his son, as well as other sci-fi author Kevin J. Anderson. Um, Brian Herbert uh, was his uh, son. And I'm just, I've fallen in love with uh, this book, and it looks like I'm finally getting into the book series as a whole. So, looking forward to part two of Dune. And that is my top 10 of 2021. And uh, give some of those a try if you haven't uh, seen any of my list. I highly, highly recommend them. I'll be back in a day or so with my top 10 TV shows of 2021. And uh, this is David for May Contain Violence. Happy New Year!